Hello and welcome to KLO Talks, a podcast for financial discussion. This is where we discuss the latest financial trends, news and events and aim to unravel the complicated world of investing and finance. So whether you're passionate about the sector or just want to understand more about the importance of optimising your finances, KLO Talks has something for everyone. Hello and welcome back to KLO Talks, the podcast for financial discussion. It's Pete here again. I hope you guys have had an amazing week. I am joined by another member of the KLO team, Matt Booten. And on this particular episode, we're going to dedicate it to a topic which is quite a popular one right now um, in the world of investments. And one that we feel is important for clients to understand looking forward into the future when they look at investing money with you know, businesses like KLO or looking after their investments in general. So I'd like to welcome Matt to the show. Welcome, Matt. Hi, Peter. How, How have you, you been? Doing? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, uh, busy, working well through lockdown. Good, good. Positive. And how has how's the lockdown treated you in general? Yeah, really good. It's been some extra uh, family time, which has been excellent, and has allowed me to really connect with my clients as well, which has been uh, an excellent exercise. So, uh, yeah, really positive, but looking forward to getting back to some kind of normality, whatever that is. Yeah. So have you found that your clients have liked doing the Zoom meetings or found value in it? or Definitely. They've really appreciated different ways of communicating and, uh, and this sort of extra connection that we've had. Um, so it's definitely been a positive that's come out of that for me. Fantastic. For them also. Fantastic. I think when speaking to Terry and, and some of the other guys as well, I think there is a consensus now that we appreciate what the technology Zoom does for, for business and client interactions, albeit remotely, but still face-to-face. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So we wanted to talk a little bit about ESG um, today because that is something that I know that you've worked on quite a bit with a couple of members of the team at KLO. And we just wanted to have a very high level conversation about what it is so that people can kind of get an understanding of the direction and some of the things that companies like KLO and advisors like yourself are thinking about that topic and how it impacts their investments going forward. So just as a starter for 10, why don't you just uh, sort of, you know, give us an overview of what, actually, let's give us, let's have an overview of what you actually do. What is your role with, with KLO first and foremost? Sure. Um, so I'm a financial planner, independent financial planner, um, dealing with all levels of um, financial planning, corporate and personal, um, holistic in terms of all areas of planning, but more important, fully independent. So what that means is we're not tied to certain providers or investment funds. Uh, we can build bespoke or model portfolios. So from that point of view, really great um, wide remit that I have uh, to be able to offer my clients. And does that mean essentially for you guys uh, that, you know, clients essentially get a better service because they're not being pigeonholed by the advisor that they're basically seeing with a set range of products or services or providers that they can use for certain things? Absolutely. Uh, we basically, um, whatever they, their objectives require, we're able to meet them, which is uh, a great position to be in. Yeah, fantastic. So ESG, I know that's something that you're very, very passionate about. Why don't sure. you just talk us through very high level what ESG is and how, why it's important to you and how you came about it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the industry, there's a lot of terminology at the moment um, around ethical, responsible investment, ESG, um, lots of jargon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite uh, bamboozling at times to try and cut through that and uh, to really understand and put in simple terms to a client what that means and what that can be. Um, so a lot of the work that I've been doing at Kalo with the team is to try and cut through that, simplify it and present it um, in a simple way. 
um, so that we can really drill down and understand what the client wants to invest into and so that they understand what they're investing into, um, yeah. which more often than not, people don't. So um, that's been my challenge really with the team to, to kind of get to get get to the bottom of that and cut through that and really, really start educating people and having good, thorough, honest conversations about what investment strategies include. Yeah. So with ESG, I know that there are three components to it. There's the environment, social and, and governance as well. And I think you guys have, have broken down those three areas specifically um, into things that they relate to. So, for example, on the environmental side, obviously it covers, you know, things like climate change and resource depletion. But you've also got some other bits of as well around the social and the governance. Do you want to give us a, a brief overview yeah, of what those are sure that'd be great i think i think first and foremost though, i'd probably go take a step back from from that piece in terms of esg is kind of one strand of what we would term to be responsible investment mm-hmm. um so you have kind of the old old school approach of ethical investing which was quite rigid um really just talked about screening out um certain companies or or, or issues that clients didn't want to be involved um, or want their money to be involved in investing mm-hmm. into. Um, that was kind of where things started, but that's just one strand of responsible investment. Um, that's still an approach that some clients want to take. Um, you've then got the second approach, which would be ESG, um, which basically um, is probably the more commonly talked about one at the moment. And then the third strand would then be sustainable investment, um, okay. which, which then is investing into purely um, sustainable themes um, an impact, positive impact investment, which, which again is a, is a, is a third stream. So ESG is, is, is really one of three types of responsible investment that uh, we would talk about at KLO. Okay. And do you, are you guys focusing mainly on the ESG side as your priority or looking at all three as a board approach for clients and then deploying the one that best suits the client? Yeah. I mean, we would, um, we, we would have a really detailed thorough conversation with the client if, they, if they're wanting to um, tailor their investment approach um, towards some kind of responsible investment um, angle or approach then we would discuss right at the very beginning um, the different options mm-hmm. um, does the client want something that's bespoke to them um, or are they happy to to run with a model that that has a sustainable or environmental or ethical um, theme running through it that's uh, just managed as a model. Mm-hmm. Um, once we've agreed that, if they're wanting something bespoke, then uh, we're more than happy and able um, and in a position then to, to build a portfolio specifically for them. And we would go through um, a style finder questionnaire, which is industry leading and, and would basically really drill down on quite a lot of different details that the client may probably not even thought about um, to then understand what it is that we should or shouldn't be including within their portfolio. Okay. So, are you finding, I mean, because if you look at the news and you look at, you know, certainly over the last maybe one, two years, this has become something that people are more and more aware of. Is this something that are certainly from an investment point of view? So working for investment houses, I know that was always on the radar. They had to be either ethically or responsibly invested, so on and so forth. Do you find that more clients are demanding this now on your side? I, I, I do. I think the conversations are, are, are really picking up. Um, I think that's for, for many reasons. Um, climate change and concerns around carbon emissions have certainly um, been well discussed and well documented and are, and, are, and are obviously at the forefront of a lot of people's minds. So that's driving conversations. Um, plastics, single-use plastics, clearly 
has been very well talked about um, yep. by, uh, by, by, by Attenborough, for instance. Energy consumption, um, clearly that's on people's radar now in terms of uh, battery technologies and not wanting to use fossil fuels and looking mm-hmm. at more sustainable energy technologies. And then I think more recently, obviously, COVID-19 has uh, given us many challenges, um, but has really focused the conversations on social conscience. Um, and I think that's going to lead to quite a lot of societal changes um, that will outlive the current market volatilities. Um, and I think the nature of sustainable investment will change with it. Um, so there are lots of things are driving those conversations now. Um, and I think that in line with us as advisors having a, a, a duty, I feel, to, to discuss that with clients um, is, is, is mean that we're having far more conversations. Still a long way to go, but, but conversations are definitely picking up. Yeah. Um, regulatory um, requirements moving forward are going to be quite specific as well in that, you know, we have to be discussing um, all areas of responsible investment with clients fully anyway, um, mm-hmm. moving into the future. So um, that will put an onus on advisors to discuss that anyway. But I feel clients are driving those conversations and the media are driving those conversations definitely at the moment as well. Yeah. Would you say, because I know that there has been this um, opinion that if clients were to venture into ethical or responsible investments, that that can often impact the returns that they see within their investments because of the various screening um, techniques that people houses would use. Do you think that's still the case now? I think that's a really good question, Peter. I think probably in the past there was a view that um, performance would have to be given up um, if you were to, to, to kind of follow your, your requirements and, and wishes around your investments. Um, that definitely is not the case now. I mean, re- recently, there are many stats that we could look into and uh, be happy to discuss with people further. But um, basically, performances around um, responsible investments, ESG areas, have, um, have, have definitely improved and probably outperformed um, traditional portfolios um, over through the COVID-19 crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think looking at companies that have got um, well-drilled um, social um, procedures is, is effectively going to really help those companies to, to be in a good position moving out of COVID-19. And you would expect that that will prov- uh, come through and pr- um, push through to better performances. So um, in many ways, um, some ESG portfolios have outperformed um, their peers and that can be demonstrated. Um, so I think performance is no longer an excuse to not look at um, making sure your portfolio is what you, you want it to look like. Absolutely. And one of the other things that I've always come across sort of working in investment with investment uh, managers and investment houses is there was always this perception as well that, well, if you want to invest ethically, then it means that you've got to take a higher level of risk as well. So that yeah. is almost, while some people want to, to do that as clients, the fact that they will have to ramp up their level of risk sometimes puts them off and they're like, well, I'm a balanced risk client uh, by nature i don't want to take that further step how is that still the case you're finding uh, or again i think that's a really good point and, and and i think probably um in years gone by that that may well have been um an issue um the number of funds that are now um appearing into the marketplace and are available for us to use uh, within portfolios is rapidly increasing um which means that diversification in portfolios now is is still um is more than uh, more than achievable within within any responsible portfolio. 
Okay. So if you had a client who came to you kind of like today and said, look, Matt, I've got a pension fund, for example. Um, I've been hearing about responsible investment. I'm all about it. What is the process that you take a client through in order to get them to their perfect kind of, you know, makeup in terms of an investment? Okay. So um, pension is just a wrapper. So at the end of the day, it's no different to an ISA or, or a general investment account. Um, and obviously there are a lot of investment assets uh, tied up within pension uh, plans. Mm -hmm. um, so the ability for that to be there to make a real difference in, in terms of improving um, the amount of funds that are held within responsible portfolios is, is, is huge. Um, first of all, we'd look at the wrapper, we'd look at the provider and look at it from a financial advice point of view and find the right provider that suits mm -hmm. the client um, and the right solution. And then it's a case of just drilling down then and looking at the investment solution. And many pension providers have um, real wide ranges of funds available to them um, on their platforms. Um, so, um, you know, providing a responsible portfolio within a pension is, is just, just not a problem. Um, and it's nice to know that your biggest asset that is probably your longest term investment in, yeah. in, in a lot of cases is actually doing some good and, um, is invested in line with, uh, with with how you would want it to be, rather than just a bland fund that you really haven't got a clue what it's doing and who it's with. Absolutely. And is cost still an issue with these? Because they used to be expensive as well, which was the other thing sure. um, when you looked at responsible investing, ethical investing. Is that still the case? No, um, not at all. Um, I mean, it's like anything, we have to be cost conscious and, we, and that's part of our investment analysis to make sure that, that portfolios are not only um, invested with the right managers and doing the right things, but are also cost effective as well. Um, you know, there, 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 are, there are so many more, there, there's so much more competition now in, in the uh, responsible investment space. Um, more and more fund managers are, are, are including um, ESG considerations within their funds as, an, as a standard. Um, so it, it means that effectively going forward, there's more choice, which ultimately will drive down cost, I feel. Yeah, and that's good to know because I think ultimately for clients, I believe it is about number one, understanding what they can do, what is available to them, and giving them the information so they can make the best decision possible, knowing that they have a team of people like yourself to actually execute on that plan as well, without it really compromising their long-term goal. And that's always been the the the, the balance that's been difficult to to strike with a lot of these things. It sounds like everything's moved forward um, with this. The opportunities available to clients now are, are huge. Um, and the ability to, to really understand and make sure your investments are investing, invested how you want them to be invested is just, it's just there, there to be discussed. And uh, we just gotta have that discussion, simple as that. Yeah. So on the, on the screening side, so I know that obviously you've got Massimo and, and, and a team in, in Kerlo there. Does the screening side work differently now with the approach that you guys are taking when you're actually looking at these investments specifically to put into portfolio? So um, any, any fund that we use um, within our model portfolios is um, obviously a lot of due diligence going into that. Um, our investment committee uh, reviews that on a quarterly basis. We have conversations with fund managers. Uh, Massimo and I were recently uh, speaking to a, a fund manager that we were looking to include within our um, our portfolio, um, and uh, yeah, we we asked some tough searching questions around, you know, is 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 this a fund that's you know 
really just saying it's doing something you know mm-hmm. what is it actually doing and, uh, and and tell us a bit more and, and and really digging down into that we don't want to be putting any funds into our clients portfolios that we're not we're not happy are doing what they they say they should be doing um that said we also look at bespoke portfolios as well um so um if a client has a, a specific um exception and or an area they don't want to invest into as i discussed um, at the very beginning then um fine we, we we can accommodate that and we can we can look for alternatives there is a there's, there's a big universe now and there are a lot of uh, of funds and there's a lot of tools out there to to, to help us make sure that portfolios are tailored to the client's requirement yeah i think it's really important to get the the transparency right in terms of if a fund says it does x you having the ability to really challenge on that and ask those questions to have them produce the evidence of what we say it's doing this and it does actually do this because i think from your point of view the last thing you want is client invested in this portfolio with i don't know some requirements in there then lo and behold in a far removed way there is still a tie to x but it's not evidently apparent on the surface until you go digging deeper and that's a real danger and that's why we have to use you know proven trusted providers and and funds with good track records that that we've really really dug into um because absolutely you know that's the last thing we want to do is, is get caught out um saying that we're investing responsibly for a client in line with their wishes and then we find out we're not so um a lot mm-hmm. of analysis and i think that's where kayla really really comes to the fore because you know we do have the ability with our in-house fund analysts to 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 really spend the time and look at that and also then with the client um you know some clients just want you know quite a um just a well-run portfolio and they're not too um they don't want to go into too much detail of what's in there they just want to feel that they're doing the right thing Mm -hmm. but a lot of clients in this space really want to understand the detail and and we'll look to a portfolio line by line and and actually discuss funds that are in there to to make sure the client's happy with them um and if not we can with bespoke portfolios we can we can replace them or look for something else but we need to get it right first time that's the key well there's an element of trust there isn't it even regardless of whether they want the detail or not they just want to know and have confidence that it's invested according to their wishes and there's nothing hidden in the closets that could likely pop out at any given time and the approach needs to be consistent whether they like the detail or whether they just want to leave you to carry on and just do it. Do Absolutely. It. We're, we're more than happy with, with both approaches. Yeah. So what would you say kind of to a client who was sat in front of you right now, who was talking about saying, Matt, you know, I really want to get invested in, um, you know, responsibly, but may have some reservations. What would you, what would you say to the client? So it would be around discussing, obviously, first of all, what the reservations are. Um, it, it, is it that they're just not bothered um, about responsible investment? And most people are, so we can we can kind of cross that one off. Mm-hmm. Is it around cost? Um, we've already spoken and said that actually, you know, costs of, of, of these portfolios and funds that would make them up are, are, are coming down dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not an issue. Performance also stacks up now. So it, it's really a case of, Going through the uh, the Starfinder questionnaire um, that we use uh, through um, basically SRI services, which is really useful. We 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 go through that with the client um, line by line, um, and actually it prompts quite a few good conversations, um, whereby we can then expand on the discussion. And and actually, as you start going through that, clients become even more. Um, 
wanting even more to to to, to actually invest responsibly it kind of mm. it kind of opens the can if you like and opens the conversation so doing that with the client is is really is is, is really powerful well, I suppose it opens up areas that they can relate to on a day-to-day basis and they can actually see in their own lives and the good that they would be doing if they were to go down that path of responsible investing. And sometimes they don't even know how they feel until you've had the conversation. That's very, very true. Yeah. I mean, I certainly remember, you know, even when I was in investment houses and stuff like that, sitting down with some clients and talking about, you know, the fact that they want to invest responsibly. A lot of the clients that I had the conversation with or sat in on conversations with were concerned about responsible investing for not necessarily themselves, but for their kids and their grandkids. Mm. And they felt like they had money that could be invested to do good for the next generations. And I always found that to be quite, I wouldn't say admirable because it's one of those things that we, it needs to be a normal thing. It needs to be something that we just do out of matter of course to maintain the world that we basically live in. But I was surprised at how conscious people are, are, are more and more of this now than anything. And else. certainly in the younger generation, um, you know, young, younger clients that we talk about, they, they, they really are concerned about these areas. And, and I think, you know, the UN did a lot of work, have done a lot of work in re- regard to um, pushing um, forward uh, their sustainable development goals, which which mm. are often spoken about. Um, so they were adopted in 2015. Um, they have an action plan uh, to be in place by 2030. Their, their sustainable development goals are well published. Um, how many clients know about that? You know, we we, yeah. we we should be talking to them about that. If if then if they don't already have um, a requirement to talk about it, we should be bringing that to the to to the table. As you say, importantly, the power of money and finance. Um, has been recognised as, as one of the key areas to, to, to forcing and pushing forward change. Yeah. Um, and as advisors, you know, we're talking to clients about their money. So, you know, we should be, we should be having those conversations and talking about those goals. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe a little bit off piece, but do you think that, you know, uh, Greta Thunberg and people like that have really moved this forward in strides? I think there's, there's, there's been a lot of work done now um, at, at, at all levels. Um, people say that things aren't moving forward quickly enough. Um, and, you know, there may be plans in place for 2030 or 2050. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the EU has its objective of achieving uh, a climate neutral union by 2050, which, mm-hmm. which seems years away. It'll soon yeah. be on us. And certainly for the, for the younger generations that are investing now. So you have to start somewhere. And there's a lot of work that's being done to, to push forward goals and, and, uh, and basically put actions in place. Um, at UN level, as I've just discussed, with um, their sustainable development goals, uh, their Paris Agreement, that, that, that also is, is well talked about. Um, the EU is, is, is really working hard to drive change. Um, so they've basically got them adopted the sustainable de- development goals of the EU. Um, They've got their European Green Deal that was published in mm-hmm. December 19. Um, and again, um, just to reiterate, they've got their objective of a climate neutral union by 2050. So that's what the EU are doing. And in the UK, we've done a lot of work also. Um, certainly um, a lot of work emanating from the Bank of England um, and specifically um, from Mark Carney, um, his famous speech in 2015 um, yeah. around climate change and stability. Um, 
which, which people can find easily and have a look at if they're interested. But um, he's done a lot of work and, and, and been a real um, pioneer, I think a lot of people would say. And uh, I guess there's no, no surprise that he's now moved into his new role now in the, yeah. the UN. Yeah. And everyone in climate finance. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of work done. And of course, we also know about the activists and uh, Greta Thunberg as well. So I, I think there's a lot of conversation both at um, uh, government level um, and also um, international level to, to, to really drive these conversations forward. Yeah, I think it's going to be amazing to see the technologies and the businesses that that well that are already here, that are already here, to be honest, and new businesses and new technologies that will come to bear as well as this kind of expands forward. Um, I'm certainly an electric um, kind of car driver myself. So I see that impact on the environment and the need for us to come off the fossil fuel kind of uh, generation and, and back into something a bit more sustainable. People will argue that, you know, that in itself has a little bit of a challenge around battery materials and so on and so forth, but it's a step in the right direction and that's what we need. And things are, are just striding forward, you know, so quickly now. I mean, it, it, the, the electric vehicle um, discussion that you just mentioned there, it's, it's actually now becoming uh, relevant, not just because it's a good thing to do, but it's, it's actually a financial, vibe, financial viable transaction now. Absolutely. Um, and it comes back to what I was saying there about providing the finance to, to make these changes. Um, a, lot of, a lot of investment and, uh, is going into battery technology um, and, you know, financing sustainable growth mm -hmm. so as the money comes in it then becomes actually financially viable transaction and why would you not then yeah. use those options absolutely absolutely cool so in closing this are there any kind of final thoughts that you have uh, for people listening um, that you wanted to get across um yeah i mean i guess my hope is that responsible investment becomes mainstream that there, there are signs that this is and could be happening um we can't afford to make that assumption so we need to be continuing to have the conversations um but there are signs now that things are moving in the right direction um and regulatory requirements will also mean that the conversations that we're having today will be will, will become mainstream mm -hmm. um many organizations are starting to wake up and realize it's an important area of focus um however at klo we've been offering responsible solutions and services on an independent basis now for many years um we're just looking to strengthen that offer and build on it moving forward you know we are passionate here about um making sure we uh, we offer good quality portfolios responsibly um and my hope is just that that conversation does become mainstream yeah i think as well if if you know you're listening to this and you this is something that does pique your interest one of the things that is very important in this equation is actually working with someone who has experience in actually doing this. Um, and Kelo have been doing this for a while now. They have been looking at this for a while. So you can rest assured that there are systems and processes in place to make sure that you get what you ask for. And that's ultimately um, the goal here is to use your investments, to use your pensions, whatever it is that you might have to further this conversation, to actually make it work in real time. And at the same time, give you good returns on your investment. So with this, um, I'm going to link Matt's details. How do they get hold of you, Matt, if they wanted to have a conversation with you? Okay, Peter, yeah. So um, obviously you can uh, find us online um, at klofinancialservices.com. Uh, um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, also, um, I don't know where I can be given a phone number, but my telephone number, if anybody wants yep. it, 07968 
771-551. Always welcome a call, um, even if it's just an initial chat um, and certainly no commitments. Um, happy to discuss with anybody. Um, and I would just close by saying this is, this is a journey which is really growing rapid pace now. Um, do you want to be part of it, even if it's only a small part? Do you want your money to actually be uh, you know, doing some, some good? Um, this is a journey, so uh, we need to be getting, getting on it. Absolutely, absolutely. So I will link Matt's contact details in the show notes below. If you've heard anything here today that kind of piques your interest and you'd like to learn more, then please do reach out to Matt and book a complimentary consultation where you can sit down and discuss you know, how this can be used within your pensions, within your investment strategies to better the world in the future. There is also going to be a downloadable booklet which will give you a little bit more information around what Kelo are doing and the ESG uh, policy that they have as well. So please do feel free to download that as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Kelo Talks, the podcast for financial discussion. Until next time, take care. <laughs>